0: We're in week two of our, of our We the Church series. So turn to your, to your neighbor and just say, We the Church. We the Church, man. We the Church. Um, last, last week, we, we talked about the fact that we must be born again. We looked at this profound reality, and I'm actually amazed at some of the prayers that we prayed today because it really is centered around this reality that we are the beloved children of God. You know, and that we must, we talked about being born again. That when we're born again, doesn't mean everything just gets fixed up, but God comes and makes his home on the inside of us. And that's pretty amazing news, amen? It's not just good news, that is great news, amen? That God comes and lives inside of us. You know, just to speak about depression a little bit, if it's okay. The amazing thing about the Father is that when we we start a relationship with Him is He doesn't expect us to come sort of with no junk. In fact, He can see all of our junk much better than we can. And so what He does is he, He invites us just to come as we are. Amen? And He picks us up. Isaiah says that, that He picks us up and holds us to His heart. He holds us close. And that's what following Jesus is all about. It's all about knowing... He's good, and so we can learn how good he is through a relationship. Amen? Today, I want to talk about redemption, the word redemption. Redemption is an interesting word. I think, you know, I know that in my life, I didn't always know what the word redemption meant. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I don't know if any of you remember this, but on the backs of cereal boxes, we would have these contests, you know, and and it would say, you know, cut out you know, five of these, con- these uh, back, back to the cereal boxes, if you, if you cut out five and, you know, send them in, you can redeem a toy or you can redeem. I remember I wanted this little parachute army guy, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if I even ever got him, but I remember sending the stuff in. I don't think I got him back, but whatever. Um, but, you know, and that, that was my understanding of redemption. My, my understanding of redemption was that, you know, it was like a trade, you know, if I'll give you something and you give me back something. But you know, actually, that's not biblical re- redemption at all. Redemption literally is buying something back. It's buying something back. And the key is that you want, once owned it. Okay? So it's, it's an amazing thing because each one of us, every single time someone comes to Christ... Every single time we decide to follow Jesus, every single time someone's redeemed, they're coming back to their original purpose. They're coming back to the Lord. I remember when I first was considering following Jesus, I took it seriously, finally, around the age of 20. And when I was considering it, I remember thinking, like, I would, well, okay, God, you know, like, I'm going to give you my life, but the problem is I don't want to be, like... I want to be myself. I don't want to lose myself. Can anybody relate to that? I don't want to lose who I am. But here, the thing about redemption is that God actually wants to show us who we are. When we, when we give our life to God, we become who we really are. Amen? And, and we can let go of that. So as we look into the redemption, would you pray with me? Let's just bow our hearts and our, our, our eyes. Father, We call you Father because that is who you are. Father, you have redeemed our lives and brought us back into your family. You've called us beloved. We belong to you. We belong here with your family. We gather today to hear from you and learn from you together. Lord, anoint my words with your great power so that broken hearts would be set free and that blind eyes would see the kingdom and the king, that we would find our place in your family. Amen. Amen. So guys, we are learning together what it means to be the church. That's what this series is all about. Uh, we're learning together to what it means to be his holy house. And and you know it's funny when you when you make that d- decision to follow Jesus. I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but there's this thing where okay, like I've confessed my sin and I've received you and now I'm even, you know, you get that born again experience and all of a sudden, you know, the scales are off and um as Marilyn beautifully described for us last week, you know, we begin to see the kingdom and his word comes alive. But there is a bit of a moment where we say Okay, but like, now what? Has anyone felt like that? Right? Okay, so now what? This is all great, but now what? Okay? That's what we're talking about today. We're going to discover the answer. And I don't want to oversimplify it, okay? But I will give you a simple answer that we're going to unpack. And really the simple answer is come and be part of his family come and belong in his family. It's, it's an amazing thing. You know, like Jesus says, seek me and you will find me. I remember when I first came to the Lord, I, I thought I went into churches, I'd be like so excited. I was ready to tell everyone about Jesus and all the amazing revelations. And I look back at that and I'm like, man, like they had a lot of patience for me because I didn't know anything. Like, but I knew him, right? And so it's an amazing thing because God is ever unfolding. The fact that you're forgiven, you're ju- we're just getting that. The fact that you're loved, we're just getting that. Amen? The fact that we are empowered, we're just getting that. The fact that we're anointed to pro- preach the good news, we're just getting that. And go into the world and, and see signs and wonders, we're just getting that. Amen? And this is part of the simplicity of the answer and also the dynamic nature of this answer. Come and belong in his family. Right? Come and belong in his family. And the reason, you know, we, we, need, to, we need a healthy understanding of what the church is. Okay? You know, some of us, when we look, think, think about the word church, um, we might think of, you know, there's a mega church there. That's, anybody grew up in a really big church? Anybody? So Tom knows. It's really big. Maybe you grew up in this kind of church, you know, the kind of small kind you want to get married in, you know, nice and quaint. And, you know, but the, the church is not a building. The church is a family. Amen? You know, the, the church is not a building. The church is a family. And, and in Psalm 68, God says something so profound And it's this. God sets the lonely in families. You hear that? It's good news. He sets the lonely like you and me in families. He leads out prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. The rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we get there. One thing I, I know about, about my wife that's... Uh, is she here? Okay. Oh, she is. I didn't want to embarrass you. Sorry. But here's the deal. Is my pastor, when, he, when we got married, he said to me something really that's always stuck with me, and it's this. That, you know, the more I love my wife, the lovelier she becomes. You know, and, that, and that's echoed into my, my life with her, is that, you know, the more I choose to love Thelma, the lovelier she becomes. And I want to tell you guys, that's the same heart, I would say, that God wants to give us for the church. You know, that the more we love the church, and I'm not talking about the building again, but each other. The lovelier we become, you know. Guys, we can maybe say the more lovable, so it's not all, you know, flowery. But here's the deal, is that the more we choose to love, the more love. God pours out through us. The more we say yes to love, the more we say yes to serving, the more we say yes to giving, the more we say yes to calling up a friend. You know, but I don't know him that well, Lord. Well, it's okay. He's in the directory. Give him a shout. See how he's doing. The more we choose to love, the more lovable the people around us will become. And that's a tough deal because a lot of us, every one of us, let's be real, we deal with insecurity, right? It's difficult to love when we're not sure how we'll be if they don't receive it, amen? Isn't that true? Well, yeah, I don't know how they'll receive that. I don't know how they're going to take that. But here's the thing, you know, there's a difference between a superficial relationship, Relationship where it's all about what I get, and a covenant relationship. Say covenant relationship with me. Covenant relationship. What does that mean? You know, we're in a covenant relationship. We talked about that last week. We talked about, you know, when when the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home in us, we enter into a covenant. Okay? The amazing thing about this word covenant is that it's something that God protects. We prayed that this morning. You know that when the, the simp- simplicity of covenant is this. When God says yes and you say yes, that's it. That's it. It's irrevocable. Okay? And so covenant relationships are different than relationships that we're kind of used to. I mean, how many people still hang out with the people that they knew in, in grade school? Right? We are used to in our world maybe a few maybe a few that's good well you guys are you guys are covenant people this is good a covenant relationship is a lifelong thing and a covenant relationship is meant to actually bring us into the wholeness god's created us for covenant relationship shouldn't just be nice covenant relationship shouldn't just be fun it should be a place where god speaks God speaks through that relationship, through your friendship, through two brothers at a co- coffee shop, or you're helping someone move, and, you know, there's, there's, there's a moment there when all the boxes are done, and, and you, you, your hearts can talk to each other, and God can speak, and God can apply the truth into our lives. Amen? This is covenant relationship. So today I want to just walk through the parable of the lost son. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke 15. It will be up there, I believe. Hallelujah, it's up there. And this is, um, you're going to notice the title change as we go through, okay? And I did that purposely to just make a point that, you know, our story changes into something better than we ever thought it would be. But this is a parable. This is a story to illustrate the kingdom. Jesus tells parables. Jesus tells these things um, so that we can understand who he is, who we are, and how we can reconcile those two realities, okay? The parable of the lost son. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth, wealth in wild living. Sounds a bit like I, what I did. <laughs> so the younger takes his inheritance and spends it on a personal pleasure. It says he squanders it, wastes it, right? All of it in wild living. Verse 14, after he spent everything, say everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. Wow, interesting timing. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything. Once this younger son loses everything, he, he goes to work. Isn't that interesting? That's when he starts working, right? Because it says that he began to be in need. He began to become aware of his need, you could say. Can you, can you relate to this? Where God is beginning to show you, wow, you've got some needs you weren't aware of. Amen. He, God's beginning to show you deep down that, whoa, there's, there's some stuff that I'm in need of that I didn't know. And I'm not getting that nourishment. I'm not getting what I need. I found this very thing that, that the younger man is experiencing in my life. Where I, I, I just want more and more until every, everything I desire becomes unsatisfying. Have you ever had that where you just kind of choose something so much that a good thing becomes not good anymore, right? And it it can even get to the point where it's unsatisfying. It's like this thing isn't giving me what it used to give me, right? And, And I would say that that's God bringing us to desperation. Say desperation with me. You have, we have to get to that place, amen? We have to get to that place. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to finally ask for help. Sometimes we have to get there even to admit our own needs to each other. It's at rock bottom that we finally look up. We finally look up. And I, I remember in my life, I thought I hit rock bottom a bunch of times. <laughs> I was like, ooh, that's got to be rock bottom. And then there was some deeper. And I want to tell you, I really believe, take this to the bank, if I looked up on the first one, that would have been my rock bottom. The Bible says, if you make your bed in hell, I will be there. It's pretty pretty amazing. That God, you know, we can run as far as we think, but God's still going to be there. He's still going to... We could go to the furthest country on the earth. He's still going to be there. We can choose the worst thing for our life, and He will still be there. God will never stop pursuing us. Amen? It's a good thing. Kind of scary sometimes when we're not surrendered, though, because He's super big and super strong, right? But it says in, in, in the... 17th chapter, chapter, when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. Now, I don't know if I made it bold up there, but I want you to see. I will set out. He made a decision. Do you see that? It says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. The son came to his senses and made a decision to return home, to return to his father. So he got up and went to his father. Listen to this. Listen to what God does when we come to our senses and make a decision to turn and face him. Watch what God does. But while he was still a long way off, say a long way off with me, long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Some of you guys need to hear this today. I need to hear this today. That God is filled with love and compassion for you, even though you are a long way off. God is filled. He's filled. He's overjoyed. Even though you're a long, long way off. That's, that's who your father is. He loves you. All he asks is that we would turn and, and go towards him and talk with him, and seek him, and, 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 and speak with him. Speak with him about whatever it is. We need to hear this, that we can turn to God even though we don't have it all together. God just wants us to come to our senses and turn to him to get up and go and be with your father. Get up and go and be with your father. You know, I think of David in the caves i don 't know if you know that story, but here's this man who's been anointed to be king and he's running from the current king and he's hiding in caves and he kind ca- he ca- gets to this place where he says, God, just kill me already like this is this is too much i'm paraphrasing but And and, and a similar thing happens in the cave. It's very important that we know he's in the cave when it happens. He doesn't go to like a nice place to hear from God, okay? He speaks to him in the cave. And then God turns it around and David realizes, he says, but I will bless your name because you did it once and you're going to do it again. Amen? Because you saved me once and you're going to save me again. And he began to declare who God is. This is such an important thing. That, that we turn, speak to God about our problem, and then declare who he is. Amen? That's worship. I will declare your praise. I will declare your pra- praise. When nothing around me is going on, I will declare your praise. I will say you are good and your love endures forever. When the enemy is encamped and in my territory, I'm gonna say, You're you're good, and I'm gonna run around that place. You're good, and your love endures forever. Why? Because worship brings the authority of heaven. Worship brings the victory. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, worship brings the victory. You might say to yourself, Well, I don't know him that well. He knows you. Just worship him. You know him better than you think promise you. You're not as bad as you think. You're awesome because God made you. So he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And as if the father didn't even hear it, he said, it says, but the father said to his servants, quick. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. They began to have a party. And meanwhile, the older son was in the field. Now, it's important to note that the older son was working this whole time. Even when the younger son was off living the wildlife and wasting their dad's money, the older son was working the entire time. He was doing what was right. He was serving the house of his father. He didn't even know that his brother had returned. The older brother became angry, Luke 15, 28, and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you gave me, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Now in ancient Israel, a fatted calf was like designated for Festal celebrations in in, in in the communities. This was this was a big deal. When someone's you know, slayed the fatted calf, this is something they've been waiting for. Think of a steak that's been marinating for like three years, okay, guys? Like a really good one. Okay, this is a big deal. Someone kills that fattened calf, it's a big deal. And so the older son says, You didn't even give me a goat. Like I've been I've been, you know, slaving, he says, slaving for you, and you didn't give, even give me a goat. Now, listen to this. But when your son of yours, this son of yours, he said, the older brother says, this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? He's, he's angry. He's jealous, probably, too. We could infer that text doesn't say it, but I'd say his words do. Right? He's jealous. And I love the father's heart here. I love it. Because remember, the, the amazing thing is, is in both sons, the father has the same posture. When, when, the, when the younger son turns and comes to his senses, it says he runs out there to meet him. And when the older son turns towards the house and sees the party and refuses to go in, he goes out there to meet him. He goes out there to meet him. Father's not saying, oh, you judgmental guy, you know, you need to get it together, you know, and then we'll talk about it. You know, just be happy for your son, for your brother. That's not his heart. Whether it's wild sin that the world thinks is terrible or hidden sin that we all pretend we don't have, the Father equally sees it and equally loves us. Amen? Verse 30. My son, this is what the father says. It's so beautiful. You are always with me. He just kind of like readjusts him back to what matters. It's like, psh, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. And now he's found. And so in both situations, the father just gives these sons the truth. And three things we can learn from this parable, guys. Number one, when we make the decision to return to God, we also make the decision to return to his house. To his family. We commit ourselves to belonging to his household. You know, it's like if you want to know me, you have to know Thelma. Period. You don't get to pick and choose. If you don't like Thelma, but you like me, it's probably more likely that you don't like me and you like Thelma. But either way, I'm just kidding around. It's okay. Either way, the point is this, is that we're one, right? We're one. We're a package deal. The Father's like that with his church. He's like that with his house. We can't just sort of follow Jesus and not belong in a house. And the reason is, is again, Psalm 68, and here we're going to talk about it. He sets us in families for a purpose is that there's only so much we can really grow and learn on our own with the Lord. And, and what happens is we, we get into family situations. Maybe we get into a small group. We get into Alpha. You know, we get into uh, a friendship with a you know, covenant friendship. We get into... Um, there's so many things. You, you begin serving on a worship team. You begin becoming a greeter. What... You know, you, you begin to operate and commit yourself to the things that are happening within the house. What happens is God God begins to do things on the inside of you and teach you through the people that you you're you're fellowshipping with. The word says that we would fellowship in the Holy Spirit. And so that's the that's the purpose really. We don't want to just like the worship team, it's great that they're leading us in worship. But if that was their only function, I just wouldn't be cool. I don't know what else to say about that. But here's the thing is that the worship team's first priority is to worship God and, and love each other and build into each other. So if you join a worship team, you're not going to just be there as a talented person. You know, I always say, give me teachable people more than talented people. Because why? Because belonging to the worship teams means belonging to a family. It's, it's a place where people are going to pray for you. It's a place where we're, we're going to build you up. We, it's a place where we're going to ask you about your private life. And you don't have, like, no one's going to force you to tell us. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a place where you're going to be loved. Why? Because that's, that's what we do. That's the point of all of it. Amen? Amen. You get into a small group. You know, Sandra's small group started this morning, and you know that you guys are going to dive into the truth of God's word. But at the end of the day, you're going to build relationships, amen, and build friendships. You're going to do the very thing God's called us together to do, which is is love one another. This is the command that I give you to love one another. And so we make a decision when we choose to follow Christ. We also we choose to belong in his house. Number two, this is so cool. God our Father wants to celebrate when others comes home, come home. He wants us to celebrate that. You know, when we have a baptism, when, we, when someone gives a heart to Jesus, when, when something's going on in our lives that's wonderful, we want to celebrate that, right? And we want to hold each other up because again, remember, if we have that heart of the older brother, the Father doesn't condemn us for that. He just wants to shift our thinking. So we can do that for each other. You know, maybe. Uh, I'm trying to think of an example, but I guess, I guess a good example for me would be. Um, actually, I was going to say I was jealous of somebody, but to be honest, I wasn't. But anyway, the bottom line is: the bottom line is, we can shift our focus. We can shift our focus and celebrate. We can celebrate what God is doing in each other's lives. And we don't have to be angry. Turn to your neighbor and say that. We don't have to be angry. We can actually, we can actually be free. We, we don't have anything. We, have, we, we got the Holy Spirit living inside of us, guys. We got a king who's overcome every literal thing. We don't have to be angry. Right? We don't have to be angry. And it's, it's good news. It's good do you notice how the Father went after both of them? It's an amazing thing. I, I love his heart for us, you know? It's like, and if we could just do that for one another, if we could just say, man, like, I, yeah, I see that thing that's that little smudge mark on your life, but that's, let's not talk about that. That's not a big deal. Let's just connect. Let's just talk. That's, that's the thing we can give each other. And it's powerful. It's love. It overcomes all sins. It changes everything. And, and, and if we could be like that in our jobs, in our, in our workplaces, you know? I mean, a few people will say, what's wrong with you? I've got that before. What is wrong with this guy? But who cares? Because they're going to feel the love of God. Right? Isn't that what matters? Number three, It's kind of what I was going at, but we carry the Father's heart. And we can run towards people turning to God. Grab them by the hand and lead them towards the household of God. You can lead them. I would say this, and I I say this, bring them to your small group before you bring them to church. I'll tell you why. It's safer. At least it should be. Okay? Sometimes it's a little scary to come in here, to be honest. Bring them to your small group or just bring them over for dinner. The point is, is that we're, we, when we see someone's heart start to turn, we can be like the Father and run towards them. We don't have to be weird. We don't have to be overwhelming, but we can love them and say, hey, come walk with me. Want to hang out? We, we can just be normal, okay? We don't have to like try and fix anybody. I remember uh, years ago, my uncle had this Christian friend that actually said to him, it was a, they were good friends for years and years and years. My uncle's an atheist. I love my uncle. He's amazing. And um, this Christian guy said, oh, I can't be your friend anymore. And the reason was because he, was, he had a hard heart, he said. Oh, you have a hard heart. They were friends for years. That's not real friendship. So let's be, let's be careful that we don't love people to change them. That we actually say, God, that we would actually say, God, give me your heart for this person because you know them. God's not in a rush. He is, it, the Bible says that he's ordained every, a season for every single thing. He's ordained a day for every single person to come. Amen? That's in his wheelhouse. That's in his, in his decisions. Okay? Our job is just to love Amen? Just to love people, be normal. And, uh, and again, we seek wholeness. That word wholeness is God's will for our lives. Right? These covenant relationships, when we choose to, to be in those relationships, we choose to trust people, we choose to ask for help. Amen? Hey, I need a little help. When we choose to do that, we're seeking wholeness and wholeness is God's will for us. He wants to make us whole and healthy in every dimension of our life. But we need to begin to share those dimensions, share those areas. And and it takes time. It's okay. So, amen? Amen. Let's let's pray. I'm just going to pray for you guys and I think we'll be dismissed, okay? Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are... Alive, and each one of us, Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that you do not qualify the you do not call the qualified, but you qualify the called. You make us into who you've made us to be, as we let go of who we were never intended to be. As so we let go of some of the stuff. I pray today that we would come to our senses and turn and choose to follow you, choose to trust you, and choose to trust the household of God. That we would fall for each other. <laughs> I really just pray that, Lord. That every everything that would keep us distant from each other would be erased and that this family would just be brought closer together in Jesus name Father I thank you that you're building your church and you are victorious that you are glorious that you are building a beautiful bride for yourself and you're you're ironing out every wrinkle that we would be spotless And you are doing it as we receive your acceptance and your love for us that changes everything. For you did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through you, the world would be saved. I pray that as we leave this place, we would realize that we are the light of the world and that we would not be afraid to shine. And Lord God, I ask that you would make us aware that we are leaven and that we can just be present in people's lives and watch you release the kingdom. We don't have to preach with words. We can preach with our life and our attitude and our choices and the love that we share. Father, bless your people in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Love you guys. Thank you so much for... All that you are.